Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and then down to 8 through 16. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they left behind, they would have had opportunity to return, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This reading for today comes from the so-called Letter to the Hebrews. It's one of the harder books in the Bible to preach from. People say that's because it's so dense in thought and poetic at the same time. But Hebrews is actually easy to preach. You just have to realize that that heading over the book uh, in your Bible, it's not original. It says, the letter to the Hebrews. And the letter part is actually wrong. It was originally a sermon, which is why Hebrews is easy to preach. I mean, you can open it up and start preaching, and you're, you're preaching. One pastor puts it like this. There's an old saying among many African-American preachers about how to preach a good sermon. It has different variations, but it goes something like this. Start low, go slow, reach higher, strike fire, sit down in a storm. <laughs> The preacher of Hebrews is no stranger to this kind of preaching. He's right. Listen to this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, for he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he had a child. So from one person, one person as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven. Like I said, Hebrews is easy to preach. You just open it up and start preaching. Because it's literally a sermon. 
But Hebrews is hard to preach from because preaching isn't just reading. Preaching is taking what the Bible says and listening what, for what God is saying through that text to a congregation today. And if you read the book of Hebrews, you'll realize that the person who preached that did exactly that. He went through and took Old Testament texts and interpreted them for his audience. The letter is hard to preach because a preacher 2,000 years ago read the Old Testament and interpreted it for an audience they were speaking to somewhere between Rome and Jerusalem, and now someone else is trying to take what they interpreted and reinterpret that interpretation so it isn't saying what God was saying to them, but is instead saying what God is saying to us. (laughs) It's the whole, he said, his father told him something his cousin said in a conversation with the colleague thing. What's going on here? Still hard to preach isn't impossible, and this book is super rich. This section, chapter 11, is all about faith. Faith is at the heart of the Christian religion. We're not saved by our works, but by faith in Christ. The thing you need as a Christian is faith. Awesome. And faith is what, exactly? Believing in God? Does that mean checking boxes about correct beliefs? Do you believe Jesus was God? Do you believe he died for your sins? Do you believe there are space elephants that will take you to heaven if you feed them peanuts? Nope, don't believe that one. You have faith in Jesus. One day you'll go to heaven. Is, Is that it? Just an extended Scantron test with God grading it? What do you need to get in, a 70%? doesn't feel right to me. So faith is what? That's the first question. And would you believe it? The preacher of Hebrews starts off with the definition, so maybe we're on the right track. He starts with, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the assurance of things hoped for. We hope all the time. I hope you get to come to the potluck dinner. I hope my grandma gets to come here for Christmas. I hope I get a new bicycle for my birthday. I hope people like me. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So then the second question is, what do you hope for? If you have children, it makes sense to hope good things for them. You have a list. You hope they reach their potential. You hope they fall in with good friends. You hope they find a good job, one they enjoy, one with benefits. You hope they don't get grandpa's nose or grandma's temper. We hope for things. (laughs) And we have hopes for retirement. We hope there will be enough money in the bank. We hope we can retire with a committed and devoted spouse. We hope we don't end up being bored. We hope we get to retire. The first part of faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the assurance that the thing you hope for will happen. So with retirement, you could have faith that it will happen. Faith would be hoping there will be enough money in the bank, feeling assured there will be. Hope is such a powerful emotion, which is why the word hope is on so many of those quote signs at Target and Walmart. Do you know the ones I'm talking about hanging in the home decor section? You can go and buy a sign with faith is the assurance of things hoped for. All over the place. You might even have one of those hanging in your homes. I believe I do. There's nothing wrong with that. This is one of those bumper sticker Bible quotes, right? It makes sense, even to people who have no faith in God, because God isn't the only thing you can have faith 
in. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's believing, trusting in your gut that what you hope for is going to happen. There was this guy at Princeton while we were there. He was getting his Ph.D. in church history. Why? I think he really liked church history and wanted to teach it one day. So he spent five years, two years of full-time classes, three years writing his dissertation. He graduated Ph.D. doctor in church history and began searching for jobs. In the United States that year, there were zero job openings. Count them. Zero in the country for a Ph.D. with his specialty. He had faith it would work out. He had a sense of assurance that the thing he hoped for would come to pass. You see, you have faith in something. But what did he have faith in? Maybe he had faith that God would give him the job he wanted to, but I think he just had faith that the universe is kind and someone would be retiring and his resume would float to the top. And he had enough of that faith to spend five years getting that Ph.D. Faith is a dangerous thing. You might have faith that going to college will grab you a good job. You're hoping for a good job, and you're assured that going to college will get you that job. That's faith. Some people push it further. If you become, say, a lawyer, then you'll have a good job. What those people might not know is the number of unemployed people using their law degrees to try to sue their law schools for deceptive advertising, for convincing them that if you get the degree, you'll get the job. That's faith. Faith is a dangerous thing. Because faith is being assured of something you hope for, so you go for it. You have faith college will get you a good job, so you spend however long getting that degree, racking up student loans to the tune of $20,000, $30,000. That's a lot of faith. That's a lot of faith you're going to come out employed. Otherwise, what about that debt? Making that choice is based on faith that the system works. Like a Ph.D. in church history working whatever jobs you can to pay off that debt. The preacher of Hebrews says faith is the assurance of things hoped for. He's not going to spend his time trying to convince you to have faith in God. He doesn't. He won't try to convince you not to put your faith in the government or the system or college or things will just work out, maybe because he was writing in a time when it seemed like every Roman politician was corrupt, job security was a myth, and foreign armies seemed to be getting stronger by the year. At least nothing on that list is true anymore. Anyway, he defines faith, but he's got a concern about what people think faith in God does for you. So he starts telling stories. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who are heirs with him of the same promise, for he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. What does Abraham's faith in God do for him? It means Abraham has to leave his home and follow God. Where? He doesn't know. Abraham's faith in God means having a son when he's too old to be a father. How is that possible? He doesn't know. The 
preacher of the book of Hebrews doesn't want us to get the wrong idea. Faith in the system, faith in your job, faith in college, faith in your family, faith in anything but God isn't the kind of faith he's talking about. That's why he shares Abraham's story. And faith in God doesn't mean God will give you whatever you want, at least not right away, because God has to change what you want first. God has to change your desires so they line up with God's. Faith in God means you can trust absolutely God's promises. Absolutely forever. And that faith looks like Abraham going to a country he doesn't know. It's assurance that God's plan will work out. But imagine if a 20-year-old did this. Where are you going? Don't know. What will you do there? Not sure. Who will be there with you? Can't tell you. That would be foolish. It's ridiculous unless God's promises are sure and God told you to. The preacher of Hebrews next uses Noah. God tells Noah to build a boat. Picture Noah's neighbors. Please, actually do. Hey, did you see Noah building a boat? Yes. What is this? You're number three. He's building that boat. Does he realize we live in the desert? Hey, Noah, do you realize we live in the desert? You look foolish building a boat in the desert. Faith in God is being so assured of God's promises that you step out assuming they're true. There was this professor at Princeton that Micah got to know very well. She had a master's in physics before God told her to go back to school to teach Christian spirituality. So she did, and she ended up teaching at Princeton Seminary. Not a big deal. I had one class with her. She was brilliant, but the most convicting thing about her was her willingness to lead us into things that seemed foolish. We went on a a retreat where we were silent for 30 hours. We took a walk through a park listening for God in the trees. She led us in this joyful dancing before the Lord moment, 30 of us at Princeton to learn things, our person with PhD in Christian spirituality leading us in dance. She doesn't like to dance, but scripture says dance, so she danced. She led us into looking foolish because of God's promises. And the thing is, God showed up. Her classes were full every year because God showed up in life-changing ways. Faith is most basically an inward conviction that leads to an outward appearance. Our religion is very clear on the fact that you're not saved by your works, you're saved by your faith, and we often hear that you can't judge a man's heart, but the Bible has some issues with that. In Matthew, we hear Jesus say, How can you speak good things when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person brings good things out of a good treasure. The evil person brings evil things out of an evil treasure. And in Luke, Jesus says, Hey, a tree is known by its own fruit. You don't gather figs from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. In the book of James, which is always blunt, if you want to feel worse about yourself, always turn to James first. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? Faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I, by my works, will show you my faith. The preacher of Hebrews doesn't tell you what Christian faith is believes, maybe because it's easy to say you believe something. Instead, he shows you what Christian faith 
looks like. Because you see what you hope and where you put your faith by your works, you can see it. But the sermon shouldn't be discouraging. If you want to grow in faith, the secret isn't much of a secret. You step out trusting the promises. If you want to grow in faith fast, do it in ways that feel foolish. Which conveniently, we have opportunities for. Come stand up here and share a testimony of what God has done in your life. Will you feel foolish? Maybe. But faith will grow. Teach a Bible story to our children's ministry. You may feel foolish, but faith will grow. Lead your family in a devotional on a Saturday morning. You may feel foolish, but faith will grow. Wake up early, pray with your spouse before you start the day. You may feel foolish, but faith will grow. If you step out, you may feel foolish. At some point, you will look foolish. But God's promises are sure. He will catch you. And the more you trust them, the more faith will grow. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that your promises are sure. And we thank you for faithful examples from the past, for Abraham, for Noah, for so many who have led us in the faith. We ask you for the courage to imitate them, that we might trust your promises and follow you wherever you lead. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.